Jesus is known for being a bit of a prankster. Maybe not in the way of playing pranks in the way that we tend to think of them on YouTube, where people do somewhat um, almost despicable things to their spouses and that. Have you seen some of these videos on YouTube where people are playing pranks on their loved ones and things like that? What I mean is Jesus is known for playing kind of rhetorical or theological pranks, you could say. And he does one in our gospel reading. The end of the gospel reading, Jesus is quoting from Psalm 110, one of the Psalms of David. And he's doing this to kind of get under the skin, you could say, of the scribes and Pharisees. To get in their heads a little bit, to mess with them. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were the ones who were the educated elite. They were the custodians and the care, uh, caretakers of the traditions of the Jewish people. Jesus is teaching in the temple and he knows that he can get a crowd around him. And so he's going to take the opportunity to kind of mess, as I said, with the scribes and Pharisees. The King James puts it a little bit different. It doesn't say that the crowds responded to Jesus, as it says in the reading that we have here. It says that the common people responded to Jesus. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees couldn't understand what Jesus was going on about. For all their learning, for all their education, they did not understand the simple message that Jesus had come to bring. The message of the kingdom of God. The message that he himself embodies in his very being, in his very incarnation. They couldn't get it. We see in our gospel reading, it opens with the scribes and the Pharisees debating with one another the finer points of the law. That's their livelihood. That's what they do. But it's interesting that by the end of our reading, it is the common folk, the uneducated rabble, the tradespeople, the unemployed, the underemployed, women and children, the common folk who get what Jesus is saying. But it's not that they get the riddle. That's not what's going on. They get who Jesus is. They understand something that the scribes and the Pharisees refuse to understand. The common people respond to Jesus because they are coming to Jesus with a spirit of receptivity and openness to Jesus. They are going to take what he has to say and they're going to receive it as a gift from God, as the very word of God living and speaking among them. It doesn't mean they get it or understand it, not in an intellectual way. But we can see that Jesus is not fully concerned with that because he's kind of, as I've said, given the gears a little bit to the scribes and the Pharisees. Because the scribes and Pharisees are not coming with that same posture of receiving the word of God. They come as masters over the word of God. They are the ones who know better. They are the ones, the interpreters of the Torah. They are the ones who understand what really God meant when he said the things that he does in the law of Moses. But Jesus says, for all your learning, you just don't get the point, do you? 
St. John Henry Newman once said, 10,000 difficulties do not make for one doubt. 10,000 difficulties do not make for one doubt. And what St. John Henry Newman is saying in this, he's saying, it's not that there's not difficulties in the Christian faith. There certainly are. It's not that there's difficulties in understanding the scriptures. Of course there are. But these difficulties, when we approach our faith, when we approach the living word of God with that openness of receptivity, they do not lead to one doubt. The Pharisees and scribes, the difficulties, they used as an armor, as a way of protecting themselves. But 10,000 difficulties do not make for one doubt. Because the call of our faith is to indwell these mysteries more fully and more deeply. Not to have everything intellectually sorted out before we can make a decision about faith, about Jesus, about following God. But it's about that posture of receptivity that the common folk, the crowd, exhibited. They were willing, as I said, to receive Jesus as Jesus presented themselves to him. So what is the meaning of this riddle? Well, Jesus says, David is prophetically preparing the people for the arrival of the Messiah. And by the way, that's me, Jesus says. I am here. But he's playing with the scribes and Pharisees because they cannot and they will not see Jesus for who he is, for how he presents themselves to him. They can't. They can't. Because how would God come to us as human? That's impossible. How could God come to us in bread and wine? It's impossible. But is it? Jesus is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. Jesus says that everything that came before in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, is now fulfilled in the New Covenant of Jesus Christ. The new covenant of his blood. Everything that Moses and the people of Israel were about is now finding its full meaning in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we read the Old Testament. Not on its own sake, but so that we can better understand what Jesus is getting about and how he fulfills all of the law of Moses. All those religious routines and rituals that were so important to the scribes and Pharisees. Picture, if you will, in your mind, a bullseye, a bullseye target with concentric circles coming from the middle, the bullseye. The Pharisees approached their relationship with God, starting with the outer ring. The outer ring is represented, you could say here, by all the law of Moses and by all their interpretation that they've put on top of the law of Moses. They're trying to move from the outside ring into the center. But they can't. Jesus describes them elsewhere as whitewashed tombs. They just can't get to the center because they don't understand what the law of God is really about. They refuse to. And so they've built up this whole architecture around it, around the bullseye, to prevent them from actually entering into the deepness of the center. The problem with the Pharisees and the scribes is that they obscured the moral clarity of the law. The moral clarity of the law is simply this. It's about loving God 
and it's about loving our neighbors. It's as simple as that. And yet we know in our own lives, when it comes to putting these things into practice, we are not as good as we like to think we are. So what's the solution to all of this? Well, the solution is to receive this word of God, to open ourselves to hearing the call to love God and to love neighbors and to hear that call anew every day. This is why our collect for today refers to the conversion of life. Conversion is a continual, daily, hourly, minute-by-minute experience of opening myself to the love of God working in me. One of the things that we often fail to notice when we hear the reading about loving God and loving neighbors ourselves is we tend to equate these things as being coterminous, as being equal, on equal footing. That somehow loving neighbor is the same as loving God, and so if we love our neighbors, we are therefore loving God, and vice versa. Oh, sounds like the kids are done. Okay. We'll allow the kids to come in and uh, grab your seat. Today must have been short because I know on the, on the timer for the homily that I'm not overly winded right now. So we tend to think of these things as being on equal footing, that if we love God, we're somehow loving our neighbors. But the priority is often missed because we think it's first and then second and third as these things come in sequence. But actually, the emphasis is on first as being primary, as being most important. And what is most important? It is the love of God, loving God, not loving God as an idea, as an intellectual exercise, as something that I can kind of give mental assent to, but loving God with the whole of my being, of turning myself over in entirety to God. That's hard work, but it's the priority. That matters because it is only by having the love of God and fulfilling that love that we are then able to love neighbor as self because we will not be able to love our neighbors as ourselves until we've prioritized and put first the love of God. And God shows us how we are to love him. He shows us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our love of God is not merely about how we feel on a particular day. Because if we're honest with ourselves, myself included, we don't feel like loving God. That's just another thing to do in an otherwise full and busy schedule. And God knows this about us. And that's why Jesus gives us the example of what our love of God is supposed to look like. Because Jesus himself, we know in the scriptures, is an observant Jewish man. He keeps Torah. He follows the law of Moses, and he does it perfectly. He keeps all the religious observances and the festivals. Time and again in the scriptures, we see Jesus at a feast. The Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of all the feasts. We see Jesus doing these outward actions. But unlike the Pharisees, he doesn't start with the outward actions and try to move into the center. He starts with the bullseye, which is putting love for God first and then radiating out from there. 
See, our love from God needs to take external form with like what we're doing here today. But we have to start not, as I said, with that outer ring of trying to move in, but we have to start from the bullseye of turning myself over anew and afresh every day and saying, God, come live in me. Come make your love known in me so that I can make that love known to other people. So yes, love your neighbor as yourself, but love God first so that you are able to love your neighbor as yourself. My friends, if the love of Jesus Christ is not what motivates us to be here today, then we have to spend some time doing some serious inward reflection about what is motivating us. I'm not saying this to guilt us or to make us feel bad. I'm doing this as an invitation to open ourselves anew and afresh to that ongoing conversion of life. Because it is only by the love of God that we will find peace, that we will find the wholeness that we are meant to have. So my prayer for us as a parish family is that we will continually be open to prioritizing our love of God in our daily actions, in our weekly actions of coming together around the table of the Lord, but that we would put him first, that we would seek first his kingdom, and all these other things shall be added to us as well. Amen.